topics. I'm working on our Saturday email newsletter uh, that's about to go out. And uh, be sure to sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828, because these topics and more are going to be uh, in our email newsletter for the African History Network. So we have coverage of the Bill Cosby conviction. Some of you saw the Facebook Live broadcast I did uh, dealing with that um, on Thursday. Uh, that was a shocker. And I uh, uploaded that video to our YouTube channel. So we have the YouTube video of um, my coverage and analysis of that in the email newsletter. Uh, we know he was found guilty on three counts of, uh, of sexual assault uh, that took place in 2004. He's awaiting sentencing. He's still free on $1 million bond uh, or bail. Uh, we know that uh, Bounce TV has announced that the Cosby Show, they're removing the Cosby Show from their lineup. Uh, a lot of people are upset, uh, saying, well, wait a second. You have, you know, Seventh Heaven still being shown. You have, you know, yes, he was convicted, but does that mean you should take the Cosby Show uh, off of, uh, out of syndication? So uh, we have a number of different topics that we're dealing with in our Saturday edition of the African History Network email newsletter. So be sure to uh, register for that. We cover all these hot topics and about 40 other articles as well. And you get uh, video clips from me uh, also. Uh, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T to 22828. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T to 22828 to uh, sign up for the email newsletter. Uh, we talk about the lynching museum uh, that was opened, that opened uh, this past week in Alabama. Okay, we know the uh, Equal Justice Initiative uh, raised the money. Brian Stevenson is the executive director. They raised the money for this, uh, for this museum. And uh, is very this museum is very important because what it does is it honors and commemorates about 4,400 African American victims of lynchings in this country. These lynchings took place from 1877 to 1950. All except 300 of them were in the South. Okay, they took place from 1877. 1877 is uh, when the end of Reconstruction takes place, okay, uh, after the Civil War ends. So all this ties into the history of slavery, history of the Civil War, Reconstruction, et cetera, and the, and the, and the racial terror that was inflicted among African-Americans, okay? So uh, we see this uh, uh, opened up in uh, Alabama uh, this past week. I think it was Friday and opened up. Uh, all except 300 of these 4,400 terror lynchings took place in the South. We know Alabama was one of those former Confederate states also, okay? And Brian Stevenson, who's the executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative, said that these, uh, uh, this museum emphasizes the lynching era because he believes it is an aspect of this nation's racial history that is, uh, that is not discussed, okay, or discussed the least. Most people in this country can't name a single African-American who was lynched between 1877 and 1950, even though thousands of African-Americans were subjected to this violence, he said. 
And we have a couple articles dealing with this. And there was a, a broadcast that I did. We put it on YouTube dealing with uh, dealing with the opening of this museum, the significance of it, and dealing with the history of the racial terror. Okay, so that video is in our email newsletter as well. Um, and, you know, they talk about some of the uh, African-Americans who were lynched um, as well. There was a uh, article from uh, one of the other publications, I can't remember who was this, thinkprogress.org, I think it was. I have a number of different articles on this topic. Uh, AL.com, Alabama.com. You have the case of um, Warren Powell, Warren Powell, who was 14 years old. He was lynched in East Point, Georgia in 1889 for frightening a white girl. You have the case of William Miller. William Miller was lynched in Brighton in 1908 for organizing local coal miners. You have the case of Calvin Kimberlin, Kimberlin, Kimlern, Kim, K-I-M-B-L-E-R-N, Calvin Kimberlern. He was lynched by a mob of at least 3,000 people in Pueblo, Colorado in 1900. We know about Mary Turner. Okay, Mary Turner was a African-American woman who uh, was lynched because she protested, protested the lynching uh, of her husband, okay? Uh, they talk about that in Hidden Colors 3, the religion of white supremacy. So we have the coverage dealing with the um, uh, lynching museum, uh, the memorial that opened up uh, uh, this past week in uh, Alabama. And what's something that's interesting about Alabama is Alabama does not, uh, well, first of all, this past Monday in Alabama was uh, Confederate Memorial Day. Confederate Memorial Day, where they honor these Confederate uh, soldiers who were traitors to the Union and took up arms against the Union and fought to keep slavery in place. Number one, so they so so they celebrate that in Alabama. Number two, uh, in Alabama they don't celebrate Dr. King Day; they celebrate Dr. King and uh, Jefferson Davis Day. Jefferson, Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy, the Confederate States of America, who was a white supreme slave owner also, who took up arms to fight on behalf of the South against the Union. OK, so all this, this ties into the history of these Confederate monuments. You have you had 11 states in the Confederacy, but you have Confederate monuments in 31 states in the Union. And these were largely erected to terrorize African-Americans uh during uh uh during the period of time going into uh Jim Crow in 1896 Plessy versus Ferguson uh in the, the rise in racial terror you have then from about 1895 to 1915 and then during the civil rights movement these were largely erected as opposition to African Americans making advances uh, to, uh in opposition to the civil rights movement and also as a direct backlash to Brown versus Board of Education in 1954, because we see a huge spike in the number of Confederate monuments from 1955 to 1970. 55 was the year after Brown versus Board of Education. This was in opposition to desegregation as well. And a lot of the schools named after Confederate uh, generals and things like this, so-called Confederate heroes, a lot of these schools were named after them right after Brown versus the Board of Education in 54 as, in, as a direct opposition to desegregation, okay? So we also have uh, coverage of the 
uh, what's going on with Starbucks, and I've done videos dealing with this, uh, so we have that in uh, in there as well, and the, uh, we connect you to that. But uh, most recently, we know that the CEO of Starbucks, Kevin Johnson, was interviewed on uh, CNBC.com, and he said that Starbucks has not seen any um, dip or any uh, loss of revenue behind the uh, rest of the two African-American men that took place April 12, 2017, okay? He says they haven't seen any loss of sales or anything like that. But uh, so, so what that means, number one, more African-Americans need to stop spending money with Starbucks, number one. Number two, there have been articles about how African-American coffee and tea shops have seen an increase in sales, okay? which is a good thing that needs to continue. You know, uh, we post the article here almost on a daily basis, dealing with 47 coffee and tea shops that are uh, good alternatives to uh, Starbucks, 47 black-owned coffee and tea shops that are great alternatives to Starbucks from shopblack.us, okay? Because I don't go to Starbucks, I don't drink coffee, number one. I drink coffee very, extremely rarely. Uh, very, very rarely I drink coffee. And I'd be damned if I pay five dollars for a cup of coffee. They ain't doing that. That didn't make sense. Okay. All right. So, um, so check that out um, as well. Sign up for our email newsletter. We have one going out here in about an hour or so. A Saturday edition, the African History Network email newsletter. Text the word Kemet K E M E T the two two eight two eight. Text it. Uh, text text the word Kemet K E M E T. The 22828. It's kind of for our email newsletter. We'll post it again here. And it has all these stories and about 40 other articles in it as well. It has uh, some of my videos uh, dealing with different topics also. Okay. Then we see that um, Janelle Monet is uh, in the news. We know she has a, a, a new CD that's, that's out. And then uh, also she did an interview with The Breakfast Club talking about the n-word and whether white people should be able to use the n-word uh when they go to her concerts um i guess because it's in her music maybe if you didn't put in your music you wouldn't have to worry about them using the n-word well going to her cop concerts and other people's comment concerts you know how i feel about that it shouldn't be in our music in the first place because other ethnic groups don't put uh racial epithets about themselves derogatory um, the terms like that in their music, okay? African-Americans are the only ones allowed to do that because it's designed to destroy us. We still haven't figured that out. We think we're reclaiming something. No, no you, you, you see, none of these artists who use the N-word of their music, none of them would be allowed to call Jews racial epithets, call white people racial epithets. They wouldn't be allowed to uh, use negative terminology for the LGBT, all this other stuff. They wouldn't be, they, they, that, that song would not be approved. It wouldn't make it on the CD, okay? And if somehow it did, there would be major backlash against them. But for some reason with African-Americans, we don't understand when we, be, when we are under attack, so we don't fight back. We try to justify, somehow we try to justify our own dehumanization by saying we're reclaiming this word. Really? Okay, yeah, you, you, you keep thinking that. Why, why they keep, why they keep, why these corporations keep profiting off your own dehumanization. 
Okay, so uh, she was uh, Janelle Monet, and I, I like Jan Janelle Monet. Now we posted the article, we posted uh, the video uh, from YourBlackWorld.net talking about her her coming out as pansexual. I still don't know what the hell pansexual is. That's a new one to me. I mean, I've read books about sex and sexuality. I got the Kama Sutra book. I got the big Kama Sutra book with all the illustrations. I got all that stuff. I ain't never heard of no damn uh, pansexual. I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. It's not an attack on anybody. I just don't know what the hell that is. But she had a, um, uh, she was interviewed on The Breakfast Club, Janelle Monet, singer, actress. We saw her in Hidden Figures, right? We saw her in Hidden Figures uh, with Octavia Spencer and, and Taraji P. Henson. And um, if, you, if you are a white fan of hip-hop and are eager to blurt out the N-word along to your favorite song, Janelle Monet does not support that, okay? Which is, which, which is good. You don't support that, you know? She said it's kind of like the oppressor calling the oppressed the word. Um, she feels that... Uh, uh, she believes that some words can be reclaimed by those who were once oppressed by it. The N word is not one of the situations. You, 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 <laughs> no, you're not reclaiming that because at the same time, a lot of this music, you turn, they'll turn around and use it, the term negatively to denigrate and talk about killing people also, killing our own people. Okay, so you're not reclaiming anything. You're just giving this illusion that you're reclaiming something. So she said, I feel like uh, we can use it referring to African-Americans, quote, I feel like their ancestors used it for centuries as ours now. That's the least you can do is uh, let us have the word back. I don't feel like those who are more privileged can use words that were used to oppress those that are still oppressed in this world, end quote. OK, so we, we have the article. It goes more in depth than that. They have the video from the interview on the breakfast club also so we can see she's confused in more ways than one uh but i, I mean I, you know i like janelle monet um some things you know it's just uh i mean there were hints to her sexuality and her music if you listen to it so i, I figured this out some time ago i was just wondering how long it was going to take for this stuff to come out but you know i, I ain't pansexual i ain't see that coming at all i just have to admit i ain't never heard nothing like that you know she said pansexual uh, means you're attracted to bisexual, heterosexual, lesbian, transsexual. So you just saying you just had sex with anybody. That's what you. That's what you're saying. So I, I ain't never heard. I've never heard anything like that before. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't don't get mad at me. You know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. That's a new one for me. <laughs> I've known I've known lesbians. I've known bisexual women. I've known heterosexual. I've known adult film stars. I've known strippers. I ain't never heard of pansexual. I'm sorry. Okay, so Alabama, back in Alabama, back to Alabama, right? The Waffle House um, arrests. Violent arrest of Ch uh, Chakesia Clemens, 25 years old. We know that she's being represented by Benjamin Crump, attorney Benjamin Crump. We know there was a press conference this past Wednesday that attorney Benjamin Crump 
uh, had to uh, reveal more facts of the case that were not presented by the Saraland Police Department, okay? And we have uh, coverage of that in our email newsletter that's going out shortly. I've done some videos dealing with that to deal with this case in depth. But um, Revenel Sharpton is involved in this as well. Uh, he is holding a town hall meeting in Alabama on Tuesday. Uh, this coming Tuesday, which would be that it should be May 1st, okay? Al Sharpton, the whole town hall on controversial Sarah Land Waffle House arrest. And um, uh, Attorney Benjamin Crump has so far been able to bring out some additional facts and, and produce two additional witnesses that uh, it seems were not interviewed by the police when they because the police are doing their investigation into this case as well. Now, the Reverend Al Sharpton will host a town hall meeting in Mobile, Alabama on Tuesday, May 1st, to discuss the controversial arrest of an African-American woman in Sarah Land, uh, in a Sarah Land Waffle House. Now, the woman, Shakisha Clemens, who was charged with um, with disorderly conduct and resisting arrest, she's also going to appear on Politics Nation on MSNBC on Sunday, April 29th, uh, which is hosted by Reverend Al Sharpton. It comes on 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, MSNBC. So be sure to tune into that. I, I DVR it. Uh, and I watch it live, but even if I'm not uh, up, I DVR it and watch that every Sunday. Now, the town hall with Reverend Al Sharpton, Jakesia Clemens, and civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump is set for 7 p.m. on Tuesday, May 1st. It will be held at the Bethel AME Church at 714 Savannah Street in Mobile, Alabama. So those in the Alabama, in the Mobile, Alabama area, if you can go and, and check that out and support this sister also, May 1st, Tuesday, May 1st, 7 p.m. at the Bethel AME Church at 714 Savannah Street in Mobile, Alabama. So we have more coverage on that taking place and we have more coverage of that in our email newsletter as well as the um legal defense fund that's been set up for this sister also okay speaking of funds speaking of funds you saw the article we posted here on our fan page the african history network we're going to come to some of your comments here in just a minute those watching have you all uh, signed up for our email newsletter if you sign up for our email newsletter, if you need me to send you the information again, let me know. But speaking of funds, James Shaw Jr., James Shaw Jr., the 29-year-old African-American man who was the hero at the uh, Waffle House in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, disarming uh, Travis, uh, I think his name is Travis Reiking, uh, uh, okay, who had an AR-15. This brother saved countless lives. And what he's done is he has set up a GoFundMe page to raise funds for the um, the four victims of um, of the killing. Okay, so uh, back on April twenty third, Washington Post was reporting that twenty four thousand dollars he had raised twenty four thousand dollars on a GoFundMe page is now grown to uh about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars so this is this is really huge this is a great thing that james shaw jr is doing he's been praised as a hero uh donald trump hasn't said anything about it because probably he'll lose some credit with his white supremacist followers with his base 
150,000 dollars. I'm sorry, not 250,000. 150,000. Sorry about that. Uh, so he's 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 a uh, raise 150,000 um, dollars for for the victims' families uh, so far. It may reach 250,000. Who knows? Okay, but. Um, the, the Waffle House customer who charged at the suspected gunman who killed four people has launched an online fundraiser for victims' families. James Shaw Jr. held as a hero by law enforcement in the hours after Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, uh, Sunday morning shooting. This took place April 22nd, last Sunday. Took it upon himself to help the families of the victims raising more than $150,000 as of this past Wednesday evening, the amount has continued to climb. So I don't even know what it is now. Okay, but as, as of this past Wednesday evening, it was uh, uh, $150,000. So this is something, you know, really, really good that this, this young brother is doing, okay? All right, um, we have uh, the information about, uh, we also have coverage of um, uh, Colin Kaepernick getting a uh, uh, award from Amnesty International for his activism. It's at $184,000 now, $184,000. So uh, it may be at $250,000 soon, okay? Um, also in the news, and in our email newsletter that's going out shortly because I'm working on it now. And um, we'll post the uh, information again. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter, okay? Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. We'll uh, post this again. There's all these stories, and we have about 40 other articles uh, that'll be on our email newsletter, okay, and some of my uh, videos dealing with some of these topics as well. Okay, so some of you may have heard, I think we posted an article about this. This comes a story from Pittsburgh, okay? Many people heard, have heard the song Camp Town, Camp Town Races and Old Susanna. I remember being a little kid, um and you know first and second grade well first grade and uh part of second grade i went to a catholic school and i remember being a little kid and singing we were taught to sing these songs like oh susanna right well the songwriter who wrote oh susanna camp town races in my old kentucky home as well as beautiful dreamer and the and a song, Old Folks at Home. His name is uh, Stephen Foster, Stephen Foster. And in Pittsburgh, there's a statue of him, but it's not just a statue of Stephen Foster. There's a statue of Stephen Foster, and he's sitting down, and at his feet is a, is a, a, a black slave playing the banjo. This is a 118-year-old statue that's been removed is going to be relocated because there's been protests and people are saying this is disrespectful, this is demeaning, this is a white supremacist statue. A 118-year-old statue of the old Susanna songwriter was removed from a Pittsburgh park this past Thursday. That would have been uh, April 26th, Thursday, April 26th, after criticism that the work is demeaning 
because it includes a slave sitting at his feet plucking at a banjo. And it is demeaning. Now, the slave's name is Uncle Ned. It's a fictitious slave. But it is demeaning. And all these type of demeaning statues need to be removed. They were erected to terrorize African-Americans to try to keep us in a, in a subordinate place in society. This is the purpose of them. The shoeless banjo player is based on Uncle Ned, a fictitious slave and subject of a song by the same name. Critics have long decried the statue as racist. Paradise Gray, hip hop activist, musician, and writer Paradise Gray, who's with the X Clan, who's a member of the X Clan. I'm not sure if he's still with them, but he was a member of the X Clan. Professor X, the overseer, overseeing the Black Watch, years of the nine on the black hand side at the crossroads with a key, sissy. Okay, he said it's the single most offensive display of public art in Pittsburgh, hands down. It's the single most offensive display of public art in Pittsburgh, hands down. This is another story. It was just, it was just removed. It's a 118-year-old statue, okay? And then when you see things like this, you see Confederate Memorial Day in Alabama that was just celebrated this past Monday. This past Thursday in Alabama, you see the lynching memorial museum that's opened up, commemorating 4,400 lynchings of African-Americans, all except 300 took place in the South. Then we see an article that came out April 23rd, why are some states still commemorating Confederate Memorial Day? The Civil War began between the Union and Confederates ended 153 years ago, ended in 1865, June 2nd, 1865, and states are still celebrating Confederate Memorial Day despite the party being in favor of slavery despite the party being in favor of slavery. Government offices in Southern states, Mississippi and Alabama have closed for uh, today, Monday, April 23rd, acknowledging this as a state holiday. Mississippi, Alabama, acknowledging Confederate Memorial Day as a state holiday. In 2015, the same state of, in 2015, the state of Georgia removed the day and Robert E. Lee's birthday from appearing on and replaced it with state day. Robert E. Lee's birthday. It's unclear what the new name represents. Georgia also forbids the display of Confederate symbols. The shift came after the murder of nine African Americans in a Charleston. South Carolina church by a white supremacist three years ago. And in this video of him waving that flag, the Confederate battle flag, it took nine African Americans to be killed by a white supremacist for you to realize you need to take down that flag and these Confederate symbols. Really? Governor Phil Bryan of Mississippi issued a proclamation in 2016 that declared April as Confederate Heritage Month in the state. This, this didn't take place in 1916. This took place in 2016, two years ago. Governor Phil Brown of Mississippi de de declared April as Confederate Heritage Month. The proclamation received major backlash from residents, but he defended it saying, quote, history deserves study and reflection. 
no matter how unpleasant or complicated parts of it may be. According to his spokesman, he also declared April 24th Confederate Memorial Day to, quote, honor those who served in the Confederacy, end quote. Now, I agree with him partly here. History does deserve study and reflection. But you don't honor them and revere them and have a Confederate Memorial Day, no. See, see, in Germany, there are no monuments to Adolf Hitler. They don't have monuments honoring Nazis. They don't have monuments honoring Adolf Hitler. They teach about the history of Nazi Germany in the schools because they want, they want people to in the next generation to understand that history so it doesn't happen again. But they don't have schools named after Adolf Hitler or Nazis. They don't have buildings named after them. It's illegal to do that. Okay? So there's a difference between memorializing and teaching the history. But to teach about the history of the Confederacy, you have to teach about the history of slavery. And oftentimes they try to focus on the rebels and the lost cause and them fighting for states' rights and don't talk about them wanting to keep African-Americans enslaved so they can profit off their labor, maintain their wealth, and dehumanize them. You're fighting for your liberty while you rob other people of theirs and you rob them of their humanity. So these are some of the topics and a lot more that are going to be in our Saturday email newsletter going out shortly. I'm working on it now. Those that don't receive our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. I have a lot of my videos uh, in here, YouTube videos, things like that, dealing with a lot of these different topics as well, okay? Be sure to spell your email address correctly. So when you text the word Kemet, you're going to get a text message back asking for your email address. And um, you send your email address. Make sure you text, uh, type your email address correctly. And the email is coming from customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. So we have uh, 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 articles and coverage on all these topics uh and uh a lot more as well okay um and then you have people asking the question because of the secret audio of nfl owners meeting and the revealing of that does this prove that colin kaepernick uh that there was collusion in keeping colin kaepernick out of the nfl that's a very good question does this help his argument does this help his case a secret audio recording from an October 2017 meeting between NFL owners, executives, and players was revealed by the New York Times on April 25th this past week. A lot of interesting comments made by some of the league's owners during the meeting were exposed in the New York Times report, causing speculation that the audio recording may have provided the evidence Colin Kaepernick needs to prove his lawsuit against the NFL for alleged collusion in his apparent exile from the league. Now, if you ask Donald Trump about this, Donald Trump would say there was no collusion. There was no collusion. It's a hoax. It was made up by the Democrats. There was no collusion. That's what Donald Trump would probably say if you ask him about this. Okay. Um, let's go to some of your comments here. Okay. So, uh, Samantha, 
uh, okay, Daquan, Christopher said, all black people should move out of Mississippi and other states that want to hold these Confederate days, Alabama too, let's see how they survive without us. Shirley Carter in Philadelphia, how you doing, Shirley? So Shirley, how how the how's the boycott going in uh with against Starbucks in Philadelphia? Trina Riley said Janice should Bill Cosby have been acquitted because he was upstable. Um now what's interesting, I think I think in the case with Cosby, I think there was a change of venue that took place where it was held. And then something else that we found out is that in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania there is no legal standard there is no legal definition of consent which is interesting because the jury three days three hours into deliberation on wednesday this past wednesday the jury uh asked the judge for a legal definition of consent the judge said i can't give you a legal definition of consent come to find out apparently there is no legal definition of consent in the commonwealth of philadelphia i've never heard anything uh of pennsylvania commonwealth of pennsylvania I never heard of anything like that before. Okay. Um, lastly, also we have another. I almost forgot to tell you about this one. This is huge. This is going to be huge. In Seattle, the city of Seattle on Friday, April twenty seventh, filed a motion asking the court to vacate hundreds of marijuana possession convictions going back three decades and adversely impacting people of color, especially African-Americans. City Attorney Pete Holmes acknowledged the racial disparity in marijuana convictions, citing an ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, uh, uh, union uh, uh, report showing that African-Americans are more than three times, are more than three times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than for white Americans. Despite the fact that African-Americans and, and whites or European-Americans use marijuana at the same rates, this is going to be huge. This is taking place in Seattle, Washington. OK, so we have those stories and a lot more in our email newsletter going out uh, shortly here, our Saturday edition. I'm working on it now. And those just tuning in, this is Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer, and email coordinator, uh, email newsletter coordinator. So Robert Jones said, who cares all the boycotting and meeting never amount to nothing. Uh, call people when a coalition of black folks who's pulling our money and resources together to first run out every race out of uh, our calendar, what he's talking about. Um, to say that boycotts don't work is not true. I don't know what I don't know what type of history you're studying. The reason why Bill O'Reilly is not on the air right now, Fox News, after he was the golden boy of Fox of the Fox News Network for 13 years, is because of African American organizations like Color Change that put pressure on advertisers, threatening economic boycotts, and 80 advertisers pull ads from uh, Bill O'Reilly's show. And Bill O'Reilly was fired by Fox News. That's why he's not on the air now. He had the he had the number one rated cable news TV show for 13 years. 
So to say boycotts don't work, I'm not I'm not sure your understanding of boycotts or different types of economic withdrawal strategies. We just saw in June of 2017, we saw city employees in the city of New York withdraw $48 million of their pension fund dollars from three privatized prisons. They did this. That's not theory. That's something that actually happened. If you look at the TV show, uh, Sororities on the air 2014 on VH1. A lot of people were complaining about the negative depiction of African-American uh, females and African-American females in sororities. The reason why that show is not on the air now is because African-American organizations banded together, put pressure on corporations, 19 advertisers pulled their funds, pulled their ads from that show. You haven't heard anything about that show since. So to say that boycotts don't work, that's that's fundamentally uh, an inaccurate statement. What happens is that African Americans need to study a history of us using targeted, sustained economic withdrawal strategies. What made them work? Why some fail? But there are numerous examples, and and uh, also uh, you have African Americans who, who participated in. Uh, different types of economic boycotts, along with white people as well, because there's also many times a strength in numbers. Okay, Thelma said um, $1.3 trillion spent by black people last year. Some places need to lose that revenue stream for at least a year. And not just lose it, we need to redirect those dollars to African-American-owned businesses. Redistribute, redirect, and renegotiate. We need to redirect those dollars to African-American-owned businesses. Okay, uh, Starbucks, Thelma says, Starbucks, Waffle House, multiple times this week. Did you see the Jersey Mike's video where the lady wouldn't allow a black man to enter because they did not serve his kind? Now, I didn't see Jersey Mike's, but there was another incident from the Waffle House where an Alabama.com has an article about this. I think we have it pulled up here. Um, yeah, you have an incident where an African-American woman says that, okay, so Waffle House investigating Pinson incident, okay? So you had an African-American woman um, who was said, her name is Jacinda Mitchell, in the video apparently on April 22nd. All this happened, you got three incidences at three different Waffle Houses all on Sunday, April 22nd. Now, I don't go to Waffle House. I've never been to Waffle House. I rarely eat waffles. I'm not going to a Waffle House, okay? What is it with the Waffle House? Now, Waffle House says it is investigating the circumstances surrounding a video being shared on social media, which purports to show an African-American woman denied entrance to a Pinson, P-I-N-S-O-N, location of the chain, okay? And um, uh, where is it? where is Pinson? Okay, well I'll find that out for you. In the video, apparently taken on Sunday, April twenty second, uh, Jacinda Mitchell shows the locked front door of the restaurant at night. Inside activity appears to be continuing normally, with customers eating and employees cooking food. Now, Waffle House is supposed to be open twenty four hours a day. Quote, they have the door locked and they have customers in here and they're saying that they're closed. The customers are eating and they happen to be white customers and I am African-American. They have people that uh, they have people that they're serving, but they're telling me that they're closed. Interesting. 
Interesting. Well, so the Waffle, I think the Waffle House, they're going to have to get, what, what's her name? Judy Smith, who uh, the TV show Scandal was based upon. Uh, luckily, the, the, luckily, Scandal has ended that show. Um, but uh, you know, there's, an, there's another case with a Waffle House. Okay, so uh, this has been a bad week for, <laughs> this has been a bad week for the Waffle House. All right, so um, we have all these stories and more in our uh, Saturday edition of our email newsletter. Um, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, to sign up for our email newsletter. You can also sign up for it at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. Now, um, hey, look, we have a, a, a weekend uh, promotion also going on right now. Um, we have a new DVD bundle pack. It is the... Uh, Eight DVD Black Panther bundle pack. Eight DVD Black Panther bundle pack. You get uh, two of my lectures dealing with the film Black Panther. You get uh, uh, three more of my other presentations. And then you get three documentaries, 1804, The Hidden History of Haiti. And then two documentaries that I'm in, Elementary Genocide Part 3, dealing with the school to prison pipeline and educating African-American children and Black Friday part two, which deals with practical strategies for economic empowerment for African-Americans and connecting our African global legacy uh, to practical strategies for economic empowerment. Okay, so that's a $130 value on sale for $80 now. We just posted a link for that. That is uh, a weekend promotion, our uh, brand new uh, eight DVD Black Panther bundle pack. Okay, Janice said that uh, Bill Cosby was a public lynching and we let them sad, sad, sad. Yeah. So, you see, it's one thing to be prosecuted in court like this. And there's some, there's some problems with it. There's going to be an appeal to this. There's some problems with some of the things that took place in court. But then there's another thing for just th this public vilification and then just trying to erase his legacy, erase his history. You have universities taking back his his honorary degrees. He has a real degree, number one, so he don't need your little punk ass honorary degree. Just I'm just saying. He had he has a real PhD that he earned, a PhD in education. But you have universities taking away taking back his honorary degrees. Then you have and you know and Dr. Boyce Watkins asked a question, okay the universities that gave him an honorary degree, if he donated any money to those universities, are you going to get back the money? You have Bounce TV taking the Cosby show off. It ain't like the Cosby. I mean, you got other actors and actresses in the Cosby show, on the on the show. They didn't do anything wrong. So why, why are you going to take the show off the air? So it, so it seems if, if, if um, oh, the other thing is important to say. Cosby has totally maintained his innocence. He said the contact with Andrea Constant was uh, consensual. Okay. Uh, he's totally maintained his innocence here. But it, it seems like there's an attempt to erase his legacy also. Okay. So I, w I wonder if there's going to be an attack on a TV show, a Different World. That was from Bill Cosby. One, there's going to be a, now he didn't he didn't appear on a Different World. I think there was maybe one episode where he appeared on a Different World. Uh, are they going to attack a Different World also? Are they going to take Fat Albert off TV and syndication? They're not going to show Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids anymore. 
is Bounce TV not going to show Let's Do It Again? Uh, let's Do It Again and Uptown Saturday Night and a piece of the action. They're not going to show that anymore? Is iTunes going to take his, it, does, it, does iTunes have like Bill Cosby comedy uh, uh, albums? Do they have it on iTunes? They're going to take all that stuff down? I mean, so it, it just seems like there's an attempt to just go beyond the verdict and just totally just totally erase or attack his legacy. Uh, Marilyn said, yes, heard the songs and now find uh, out a racist. Yeah, so that goes back to Stephen Foster. You know, so a lot of, lot of these songs, a lot of these old standards, these old folk songs, a lot of them have their roots in racism. And see, with that, with that song, there was um, the the lyrics have been changed. Oh Susanna, you know, Oh Susanna, uh, don't you cry for me? Um, I just say, well, how's that song go? Hold on, we I have the lyrics up here because I was researching it. Right, I remember singing. I remember being a little kid in school and being taught this song. Okay, I come from Alabama. I come from Alabama with a banjo on my knee, and then they had the statue of him. With this, with this, with this uh, kindly-looking slave playing a banjo, okay. Uh, let me see. I have the lyrics up here. Uh, where is it? Okay, here we go. The original lyrics to "Oh Susanna" are brutally racist. So we have this article in our email newsletter, also. Okay, we got things about fifty articles going back like a couple months or something like that. And this is a lot of stuff. Okay, so. Uh, um, Verse one of the song, I come from Alabama with my banjo on my knee. I'm going to Louisiana, my true love for to see. It rained all night. The day I left, the weather was dry. The sun so hot, I froze to death. Susanna, don't you cry. Oh, Susanna, don't you cry for me. I come from Alabama with my banjo on my knee. I remember singing this when I was a little kid. Okay, well, I was taught to sing, you know, taught the song in school. All right. And then um, uh, Camp Town Racist is another song. OK, you got a lot of these old songs. Then, and then we and then because of. Colin Kaepernick's protest, which which was recognized basically August 26, 2016, we found out about the third stanza in the national anthem written by Francis Scott Key. OK. Um, and. We have some of you have seen my three-hour presentation dealing with the history of the national anthem called the racist history of the white national anthem and the pledge of allegiance the racist history of the white national anthem and the pledge of allegiance we have this in another bundle pack and you can get it separately also uh well i deal with the history of the national anthem the pledge of allegiance and uh the i tie all that in the colin kaepernick's protests okay september 13th um 1814 during during the uh, War of 1812 was when Francis Scott Key wrote that. All right. But these songs, these lyrics to these songs, we need to go through and research all this stuff. Because you're going to find that we've been taught a lot of these songs when we were kids and didn't know any better. And these songs have racist overtones written by white supremacists. This is what you're going to find. And then that and, and, then, and those statues honoring these type of people, those statues need to come down. Now, those statues should not be destroyed. 
Just like the Confederate monuments. The Confederate monuments should not be destroyed. All those statues, they need to be put in museums. That's where they belong. They need to be put in museums. Okay, and then in their place, there should be a historical marker that talks about what was there and why it was taken down. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. Okay. I need to get some more of your comments here. But seeing this, uh, seeing this statue uh, in Pittsburgh in 2018, a uh, Stephen uh, Foster with a kindly looking slave at his feet playing the banjo, man, that is that 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 is, dude, that attacks your psyche. Okay, we got Daquan from Akron, Ak uh, Akron, Ohio. How you doing, Daquan? Renee Lamar uh, said, move and go where the whole nation has been built on racism and DNA of this country. So uh, so what happened? Somebody said we should move, separate. Okay. So now what's interesting is, right, if you actually understand history, you know that African people were here in this land we call the United States of America going back at least 51,700 years. planet there's an african presence from ancient kemet here as well we were here before native americans came into existence okay so people need people really should read the book the first americans were africans documented evidence by dr david m hotel okay he's a friend of mine i've interviewed him about 11 times his book has uh, uh 713 footnotes fairly documented in the african presence right so as far as separation goes my thing is last high first fire last high first fire we were here before anybody else we were here in this land before native america came to existence so why should we be the ones to leave last high first fire why should we be the ones to leave this was our land stolen from us why should we leave no we were here in we were here before Jamestown, Virginia, 1607. We were here before August 20th, 1619 in Jamestown, Virginia. Even if you just look at Africans who were enslaved, the Spanish were enslaving Africans in the territory we today call South Carolina in the 1520s, a hundred years before Jamestown, Virginia, August 20th, 1619. Not only that, enslaved African people were here before about 98% of the of the white immigrants came to this country. So last hire, first fire, why should, we, why, why should we be the ones to leave? For a number of reasons. Now, those that want to repatriate to Africa, okay, I'm not, a, I'm not against repatriation to Africa. You need to have some skills to take, their back, take with you to Africa. They don't need Negroes in Africa. You need, you need to have some skills. You need, to, you need to take something back there to uplift Africa as well, because they, because Africans on the continent of Africa, many of them are looking to us to lead the way and help uplift African people around the world. You know, so uh, and, and the people say we need to separate, we need to separate. OK, I tell them point blank. Go ahead and leave. You don't have to you don't have to make an announcement. Just leave. If, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. You need to have a viable plan. You need to have some resources. You need to understand agriculture. It's more than just a notion or a saying. A lot of people haven't thought it out. But but this was our land stolen from us. Many people don't understand this because they 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 
understanding of our history in this country only goes back 500 years or 400 years to August 20, 1619, because August 20th, 2019 is the 400th year anniversary of that Dutch warship, which was actually an English warship coming into uh, Fort Comfort, I think it was, in Jamestown, Virginia, with the 20-some-odd enslaved Africans. But we were here tens of thousands of years before that. Most of our people don't understand this history, okay? And if you and if you think that you first came to this land conquered and shackled and changed, conquered by Europeans, then, then that attack attacks your subconscious. And you're going to see your existence here in this land as being subservient and as being as, as being conquered. And that really is something denigrating and dehumanizing for our children to learn from that perspective that they first came here conquered and shackled in chains. And as Dr. John Henry Clark said, he said, if, if the majority of what you know about your history is slavery, then you somehow going to think uh, everything else you did since then is somehow progress. Something, something to that fact. I forgot exactly how he put it. Okay. All right. Samantha said, common sense isn't very common. Deborah said, good brother who played football. So sad. What are you talking about? NFL is a big plantation. Uh, what in the world kind of question, question is that? If it wasn't a collusion, what else was it? That much is apparent. Uh, McQueen said, I'm traumatized. You need lawyers on this team for Native and African Americans. Uh, greatest about time, and I hope it spreads all across the country. Good for Seattle. Okay, I think he's talking about the marijuana convictions being thrown out in Seattle. Okay, this is why it's important to understand the history of why marijuana was made illegal in the first place. It was made illegal to criminalize it because African Americans, Mexicans, Filipinos were using it. Morris Reed said uh, the courtroom was a lynch mob. It took two trials to hang this black man and uh, they used a black woman with a number of white women as victims, kangaroo court, uh, boycotting works, marching is less effective. Marching and boycotting go hand in hand. Dr. King in his last speech, April 3rd, 1968, called our bench to the mountaintop. He said, we have to always anchor our external direct action with the power of economic withdrawal. He said, we have to always anchor our external direct action with the power of economic withdrawal. What he's saying is when you have mass protests, when you have these marches, you have to have economic boycotts to go along with them. The mass protests draw attention to the problem. They draw media attention. They allow you to incorporate people into your plan, into your movement, get information out to them, let them know about the economic boycott, and then continue with your plan. Mass protests and boycotts work hand in hand, hand, hand in hand. And at the end of that mass protest, after you block traffic in the street, after you stood in front of white businesses and, and blocked traffic going in, after you laid down on a tarmac and kept planes from taking off, you should march your black behind down the African-American-owned businesses and buy them out also. So we have to, because oftentimes with these protests, and I've seen them on TV, I've seen them in Chicago, I've seen them in uh, Minnesota, things like this. A lot of times we'll take pride 
in disrupting commerce going to white-owned businesses, but we don't redirect that energy and those dollars and direct that to African-American-owned businesses to empower our own businesses. So at the end of these protests, you got a thousand people that came out. You got 500 people that came out. You need to organize, break up into groups of 100, go support African-American-owned businesses. Okay. Um, let's see. Boycotts work when everyone works together. The problem is people want to work against each other. Everybody doesn't have to. Everybody doesn't have to be involved in the boycott for the world. You just need enough people to make a difference. You're not going to have all African Americans participating in the boycott. You don't need all of them to participate in the boycott. You need, it needs to be organized. You need enough to make a difference. Uh, Christopher said, "That's what I'm talking about. Redistribute, redirect our funds." Okay. Check out the, the the film series Black Friday. I'm in the film series Black Friday from director Rick Mathis. What legacy are we building? Deals with economic empowerment for African Americans. Uh, in our email newsletter, we have information about that. We have a bundle pack, all three documentaries. The last one came out October of 2017. And it's also available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, guys, let me post this um, again here. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so we have uh, the weekend sale on our eight DVD Black Panther bundle pack, and you get five of my DVD presentations. Two of them deal with the film Black Panther, like this one here. This is my three-hour uh, lecture, uh, Black Panther Analysis, African Culture, History, and Afrofuturism. The film is deep. I've already seen Avengers 3, Infinity War. I went to go see that uh, Thursday night. I saw that Thursday night. I may go see it again. Those in the Detroit area, in Detroit, Sunday, May 6, 2018, at the new Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, I'm doing a presentation uh, dealing with the film Black Panther, analysis of the film Black Panther, uh, African culture, history, and Afrofuturism uh, at the new Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, 71 Oakman Avenue, Highland Park, Michigan. You don't want to deal, miss this, man. I deal with the African cultural influences of the film. I deal with the costume designer, Ruth Carter. We see African cultural influences coming from the Maasai of Kenya and Tanzania. We see it coming from the Zulu of South Africa. We see it coming from the Indebele of South Africa and they're uh, in Zimbabwe as well. We see it coming from Nigeria. We see it coming from the Dogon of Mali and Burkina Faso. There's African history that ties into this, where you talk about Mansa Musa, Emperor of Mali, 1312 AD, who was the richest man in the history of the world, where you talk about uh, African spirituality, like uh, Bast, who's the Panther deity that watches over uh, the Panther clan in Wakanda, because you had 18 different tribes in Wakanda. T'Challa is the king of all of Wakanda, right? But Bast comes from Bastet, who was a uh, Netter or female deity in ancient Kemet, okay? And then the other deities there in Wakanda are Thoth, which is Dahuti, comes out of ancient Kemet, one of the Netter, Ptah as well. The, the deities are collectively known as the Orishas. The Orishas come from the Yoruba uh, spiritual system uh, in Nigeria called Ifa, okay? The Orishas. This is where Shango comes from. And, and Thor, the Scandinavian uh, uh, god or deity Thor, who is the god of thunder, has the hammer. That's a copy of Shango, who was the guy who was the or Orisha of thunder and had a hammer. 
okay? That that Thor comes from Shango. And we know the Yoruba come from ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt originally, just like the Dogon uh, of Mali Burkina Faso come from ancient uh, Kemet in Egypt, right? So all this ties into the film Black Panther. It's a fantastic film. It's deep on multiple levels. You have to uh, you have to understand first the Black Panther comic book to understand. And I've been researching the Black Panther comic book. You have to understand the Black Panther comic book to understand the film. One, because they're taking storylines from the comic book and characters from the comic book. Two, you have to understand African history and culture to understand the film as well. Okay. All right. And then uh, Avengers Infinity War. You want to know about, you got to understand the different Marvel movies. They all tie into that. So this book here from Entertainment Weekly, this is the uh, ultimate guide to the Avengers and breaks all this stuff down. They got information in here about uh, the Black Panther and Wakanda. Because some uh, a lot of the movie, uh, a good portion of the movie takes place in Wakanda. And then let me see the Black Panther here. Right. And then um, Avengers 4 has already been filmed. A lot of people don't know this. Avengers 4, the release date is May 3rd, 2019, because this storyline from Avengers 3, Infinity War, continues into Avengers 4. It's already been filmed. It comes out next year, May 3rd, 2019. But the uh, movie coming out this summer, The Wasp, um, uh, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, ties into this storyline also. And there's another one, Captain Marvel, that comes out, which ties into the storyline as well. Okay. But uh, Avengers uh, Infinity War ties into uh, Black Panther, ties into Wakanda. And that's why they have it in this book also. All right. Okay. So um, let me get some of your last comments. I got to finish the email newsletter. Who's registered for our email newsletter from the African History Network? Uh, Dawadu said, uh, I researched somewhere there was a tribe of Indians speaking Hebrew. A tribe of Indians speaking Hebrew. I'm not familiar with that, but we do know the original Native Americans were African people. Not Hebrews, African people. Long be the, the Khoisan. The Khoisan. And it be, there's an African presence from ancient Kemet here as well, ancient Egypt also. And then also Wakanda is not a made-up word. Wakanda is a Native American term. It's in the Sioux Indian language. It's in the Omaha Ponca language. It means possesses secret powers. And it's also in some languages, it, it, it refers to a deity or refers to God. Okay. And then I talked to a, bro a brother who speaks uh, uh, Bantu from the Congo. And he said that uh, it's also a Bantu word as well. Uh, Wakanda, which makes sense because if it's a Native American word, then we know that the first Native Americans were African people. So it's very, it's very likely it's related to uh, uh, an African word or derived from an African word as well. Okay, Timmy, but these are all things I deal with in uh, my presentation. We have this available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's a three-hour presentation I did dealing with the film Black Panther, but I'll be doing this film, I'll be, do, I'll be doing this uh, presentation in uh, Detroit, Sunday, May 6th, at the uh, new Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, located at 71 Oakman Avenue in Highland Park, Michigan, right off of Hamilton, free event, donations accepted, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m.
Um, let's see. Okay. All right. All right, guys. Look, we got to get out of here. Talk to you later. Register for our email newsletter. You can order our DVD bundle pack, uh, a weekend sale, uh, eight DVD Black Panther bundle pack. We posted the information here uh, at our fan page, the African History Network. Be sure to um, follow us on Facebook at the African History Network. I'm Michael M. Hotel. I'm the founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. Um, and my radio show comes on Sunday nights, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation uh, in Detroit. We broadcast on Facebook Live also when I'm on. So uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, uh, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And uh, we have the information there, how to listen to the show. And you can listen to audio podcasts um, of the show there as well at uh, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay? Hey, remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. Mod Hotel. Mod Hotel, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace.